Years ago, when uh, Shannon and I were kind of at a critical point in our lives, there were some decisions that we needed to make, and so we were sort of praying through all of that, and we had someone that encouraged us to take, to do a study, to do a Bible study called Experiencing God. Many of you have heard of that Bible study, maybe you've done that study before. If you've never done it before, I would highly encourage you to, to work through that Bible study called Experiencing God. If you have done it, I would encourage you to, uh, to maybe go back through it again, if you haven't in a while. Uh, walk through that process that it guides you through. But there were several things in that particular study of God's Word that have stuck with me very powerfully over the years. And one of them was this. As you're trying to understand what it is that God wants for your life, as you're seeking to discern or to discover the purpose that He has for you, a big part of that is looking back at the trail you've been walking. Is looking back and connecting the dots at the different things that have happened up to in your life up until this point. By doing that, many times you can sort of begin to understand better. Now certainly we can't predict the future and we don't know God. Sometimes God throws us a, a turn, amen, that we weren't expecting. But many times you can sort of get an idea of the trajectory for the road ahead as God has it planned for your life in the future. That's exactly what we want to talk about today. We're doing a study called Discover Your Purpose. We want to understand, God, what is it that you've put me on this earth to accomplish? What is it that you want to do in my life? What is it that you want to do through my life and the lives of other people? And tonight, we want to specifically talk about tra tracing the path of your life. Tracing the path of your life. Looking back on your life and seeing what God has been doing up until this point that may have bearing on what He's wanting to do with your life as you are moving forward in the future. And we're going to turn to Exodus chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 1 through 10 together as we study God's Word. This is specifically the call of God in Moses' life. God's giving His direction, really the big purpose for Moses' life, the big thing that God created him for. God's going to give him that in Exodus 3 verses 1 through 10. God's calling Moses to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt, to bring them out of bondage and to lead them to the promised land living that God has for them. And we're going to see through Moses that there were several things that God wanted to say to Moses. And I believe He gave us these verses so that we would learn these things because there's probably some things here that you have not thought about as you're seeking to discover God's purpose for your life. So let's start by reading those verses. Exodus chapter 3. If you have your Bible in verses 1 through 10, if not... The verses will be up for you on the screen. It says, Now Moses was pasturing the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush. And he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. It was not burning up. So Moses said, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight while the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that Moses had turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he, God said, do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet. For the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said also, I am the God of your father, Abraham. 
and, and the God of your father, and the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Then Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said in verse 7 to Moses, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and have given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters, for I am aware of their sufferings. So I have come down now to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanite and the Hittite and the Amorite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite. Now behold, the cry of the sons of Israel has come to me. Furthermore, I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians are oppressing them. Therefore, come now and I will send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. I want to start by first of all noticing this in these verses. You began tracing the path of your life as God began doing that for Moses in these verses. First of all, God shows us we have to pay attention to the experiences that He has brought into our life up until this point. So let's talk about that first. As you look back over your life, what are some of the critical key experiences that you have had in your life up until this point that God might want to use to give you future direction. Now, what we're reading in Exodus chapter 3 is the beginning, as, as I said, of God's most significant work through Moses and his life. But before we start digging into that, I want to back up just a little bit and talk about if you go back one chapter in Exodus chapter 3, you'll see that that God had been building up some things in Moses' life. First of all, he was given a particular name. His name is Moses. Now, some of you may remember the story about his life, but if you go back to Exodus chapter 2, in Exodus 2, the Pharaoh of Egypt basically wanted to kill uh, the, many of the babies that were born through the Israelites, okay? During that time that Moses was born. And the Bible says that, that Moses' family sought to hide him and that Moses was found in the river in a basket and was rescued by Pharaoh's daughter and brought into Pharaoh's household. And when she did that, she named him Moses, which means drawn out of water. Actually, he should have specifically been named, if that's what she was going to call him, hey, I drew this baby out of the water. She should have specifically named him a word that it would have, meant, would have meant he was drawn out of water. But do you know what she named him? The name Moses that she gave him actually means one who draws out. Think about that for just a second. He was named a name that actually gave an indication of what he was going to later do through his life. Isn't that kind of interesting? Then we find out as we read that passage that Moses had gone through a lot of adversity in his life. Moses had had a lot of experiences in his life that, that as a baby, like I said, his life was in danger. He was taken away from his parents. He lived in a country that hated his people. And then later, as he grew up and he was trying to, to, to defend his people, he killed a man in defense of his people. And as a result of that, Moses was on the run for his life for 40 years. That's a pretty big deal, isn't it? I mean, sometimes we read these Bible stories and they don't seem, you know, they just seem like stories to us. But think about what if you were trying to protect some people in your family or as a part of your country, and what if you lost your life, and what if you were on the run for 40 years because of that? Would you, would you potentially think that, hey, God must really have something great that He wants to do through my life? Amen? Is that what you would think? No, you would probably think, my life is done. 
My life is washed up. There's no way that God could use somebody like me. Did you realize that Moses was actually 80 years old and had lived a very challenging life up until the point when God was going to use him for the greatest thing he ever did? I want to ask you a question here tonight. Could some of you say that about your life? Could some of you say, I'm, I'm pretty long in the tooth? Okay, you know what that means. Okay, I, I, I got some age on me, okay? Some of you farmers know what I'm talking about. I, I've got some age on me. I've got, some, I, I've, I've got a lot of history. I, I've done a lot. And what we seem to imply by that is, so that must mean that there's not what? There's not much left for what? For me to do. And would you say that, you know, I've lived a lot of life, and you know what, I've done a lot of things, and I've seen a lot, and a lot of good has not, it hasn't been the best. But God was using those experiences in Moses' life to prepare him to be a leader. Then when we get to Exodus chapter 3, the first part of that verse, it says that God had put him in a place to give him the opportunity, the experience of leading people. Do you see what it says? It says, now Moses was pasturing the flock. That sounds an awful lot like Moses was what? Pastoring, doesn't it? Pasturing sounds a lot like pastoring, doesn't it? And that's exactly what was happening. God was using that experience in Moses' life to teach him how to feed, how to lead, how to guide, how to guard, how to protect. And and, and by the way, it wasn't people at this time, was it? At this time, it was what? It was sheep. I don't think at that moment Moses was thinking, oh great, God must really have great plans for my life because I'm in this incredible leadership development program. Amen? I don't think Moses was seeing it that way. I think Moses was thinking about it like this. I'm just a shepherd. I'm just some guy, I'm just some, I'm just some guy out in the middle of nowhere doing nothing. That, that song, that Hidden Valleys, where God takes hidden valleys and makes shepherds in the kings. I remember when we were in our 20s and I was working hard and I was going to school and we were, you know, we were having kids and everything was just kind of crazy. And I was, I was working second shift after I would get home full time going to school, trying to get my master's degree and prepare for ministry. And I remember I was working second shift in this flour mill and I thought to myself, oh great, I'll be in this flour mill and I'll get to share with people and I'll have all kinds of opportunities to share Christ with people. Well, guess what? I was the only one that worked second shift. I ran the mill second shift pretty much by myself. And, and I had to wear earplugs. And so I could, even if somebody came in, if my supervisor came in, I couldn't even talk to him. I had to yell at each other and it was kind of hurry up and talk and get... And so I, many nights I would sit there in that mill and I would, I would watch all those belts moving and all those machinery going. I would just say, God, what am I doing stuck in a flour mill? God, I want to serve you. I want to talk with people. I want to share Christ with other people. And what am I doing in this flour mill? Many times we don't recognize it, do we? But God is preparing us. God had Moses leading sheep so that one day he could get ready to lead a lot of people. What about you? As you look back over at your life, as you think about your life, maybe you've never stopped to, to take time. Maybe you've thought about it, but you said to yourself, you know what, there's nothing good back there. There's no good experiences that I can say that God would use that or that, that I could pull from. But here's Moses with all these things in his life. What are some things? Now listen, don't shut the door on God tonight. Do you think your life has been an accident up until this point? Do you think God has been checked out? God has, and maybe even surprisingly to you tonight, 
that you would say, oh my goodness, I never even considered, but you know what? God could. What are some things in your life that are unique to your life? Some experience that that you've had. Maybe you lost a parent very early in life. I can't imagine that. If you have that experience tonight, you have something. An experience that that I I haven't had. Maybe Maybe you've had cancer. And you've battled through that. And you've had the treatments. And you've recovered. And you've gone to remission. And you've got an experience that, yes, you would say, I would never want that. Amen? I don't ever want to go through that again. I wish I never had to go through that. But you have it. It's part of your life. Maybe you grew up in church. Maybe you've been in church ever since you were conceived in your mama's womb. You went to church nine months before you were born. Maybe you've been in church every single week of your life. Maybe tonight is the first time you've ever stepped foot in a church. So that's a different experience, isn't it? The one person has been in church their whole life, and so that that kind of influences their life. Maybe you've you've never been, and so that, that makes a difference in your life. But what I'm challenging you to consider not what Moses had some things that God was using to get him ready for the purpose. What is your stuff? A few years ago, I had someone sort of challenge me to think about. I, I think I heard another pastor or Christian radio or something, and and this person said, I, I want to encourage you to write down what are the seven most significant events in your life. I had never thought about that before. I want to encourage you to do that tonight. Maybe you're sitting here and as you're, as you're thinking, as God's kind of, as you're brainstorming, as you're beginning, some things are becoming visible on the, on the picture of your mind tonight, write those things down. Or maybe tonight, go home and spend some time with the Lord. Say, God, what are the things? What are the turning points? Let me just give you some examples in my life. First of all, the family that I was born into. That may seem kind of obvious, but, but seriously, the family that I was born into had a great impact on my life. Specifically, my mom, my dad, my, my granddad. An impact on who I am spiritually, on, on my personality in so many ways. That's huge. If I'd been born in a different family, my path would have been a lot different. When I was 12 years old, some friends invited me to vacation Bible school. Just a little kid that some other kids invited to go to church and have fun and learn about Jesus. As a result of that, I gave my life to Jesus when I was 12 years old. That's a major intersection for my life. A few years after that, the ranks just under getting saved. When I was 15, I met my wife. Amen? Hey, and it was because I was a slacker. I was standing in line. I was a 10th grader that was supposed to get my locker yesterday, but I was such a slacker, I forgot to. So I got in line tomorrow, today, with the freshman, and I got behind a cute freshman because I might be a slacker, but I ain't dumb, amen? And so I got in line <laughs> behind a cute freshman, and so we had, we had lockers beside each other, and yeah, it took me about six months, but I wore down, amen? <laughs> That's the turning point in my life. Today, um, my son and I were watching our favorite football team, College University of Georgia Bulldogs football team. It was a dream of my life to go to the University of Georgia, get a business degree, go into business. You know, I sort of had my life figured out or whatever. But when I was 17, God intersected my life. He said, that's not what we're going to do, Robbie. And I want to tell you, that was not normal for me. You see Pastor Robbie talking about God, but that was not... I didn't talk about God freely, but I had to tell my dad the day that I visited the University of Georgia... I told my dad, I don't want to go here. Somebody doesn't want, to go, want me to go here. And he said, who? I said, yes. Is it Shannon? No. Is it your mom? No. Is it me? No. Is it God? Yeah. That was a turning point in my life. A few years later, my parents' marriage ended in divorce. 
I thank the Lord for all the grace and forgiveness and healing that has happened in our family, but that was a major, major place in my life. Having our kids. More and more I'm seeing in my life. The purpose of my life is Shannon and my kids. I mean, I love you guys. I love what God does in our midst, but ultimately it's my wife and my kids. I mean, we're going together, amen? I mean, it's us and those kids and, and, and God blessing us with them. Turning point. Being called to New York to start New Hope and to pastor New Hope. That is a major intersection. It's my family's life. We spent Thanksgiving with 80 people here. Family. What a turning point for my life. Those are just those are six or seven things in my life. What is it for you though? Your path is different. I hope that's helpful for you to just maybe just to, to kind of brainstorm tonight. But tonight, would you just begin to think about those things? And you don't have to finish it tonight, but just begin thinking about God, what are the intersections with you in my life? And what what difference do those make for what you're wanting to do in my life right now? So there's the experiences in your life, but there's also the people you have known. It says, now Moses was pastoring the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. When Shannon's parents were here a few weeks ago, we were blessed to have her dad uh, share God's Word with us that weekend. We had an opportunity, I think he mentioned in the message that we went to the New York State Museum, and, and they happened to have a, 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 the actual original set of Sesame Street right there in the New York State Museum. And everybody else was kind of wandering around doing things. And I just kind of sat down on the bench there, and I just kind of, hmm, all the people in the neighborhood. Amen. <laughs> I mean, I just kind of went back to eight years old, you know, just watching Sesame. Anybody feeling me? All right. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Amen. <laughs> I think that, that, that people in your neighborhood song, I think Sesame Street was on to something. I think what they were trying to say, I didn't analyze it this much when I was eight, okay? But, but I think what they were trying to say is that, hey, you need to pay attention to the people that are around your life. Because it's so easy for us to miss that, isn't it? We need to pay attention to the people that God has brought into our life. And ask ourselves, why is it that I've known those people? As we look at Moses' life in Exodus chapter 3, there were definitely some key people. Here we see, as we read uh, verse 1, we see one of the key people was his father-in-law. Now Jethro is an interesting person. We're not given a clear indication here, but he's called three times. He's called the priest of Midian. In Exodus chapter 2, verse 18, he's called Ruel, which in Hebrew means the friend of God. In Exodus chapter 18, he gives Moses some very godly advice about how to do God's work with God's people. And so I just wonder, was Jethro, much like Melchizedek, kind of a mysterious a priest of the Most High God that we find in the Old Testament. I think that's probably the case. And so, if that is the case, Moses has a very godly father figure, mentor kind of person that comes into his life to show him what it means to be a servant of God. Then earlier in Exodus chapter 2, we find out that Moses, we mentioned them earlier, Moses had godly parents, Right? I mean, they, he, didn't, he didn't get to stay with them for very long. Amazingly, they had to give him up pretty quickly, but through God's uh, sovereignty and God's providence, that he was able, at least his mom was able to nurse him while he was still a little baby. And so they did have a little bit of time, a little bit more time with him. But we definitely find out from God's Word that, that these were some godly parents. If you look at Exodus chapter 2, they risked their lives 
trusting God to save their son. That's a pretty good heritage, isn't it? The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23, that they feared God. They trusted in the Lord. But then listen. Moses, and maybe we initially, might see this as a negative, but do you realize that Moses grew up in Pharaoh's court? Now I want you to think about that for just a minute. When you think about the people that got us... How many people, now listen, I'm pretty sure that Moses didn't get a lot of godly influence from Pharaoh, amen? I'm pretty sure that that didn't come from that direction. But I am pretty sure that because he lived in Pharaoh's household, he got a lot of good lessons in how to lead a nation of people. Now wait just a minute. You're not Moses, okay? This is not your story. But if Moses is looking at his story... He's got a godly father-in-law, it appears to be. He's got godly parents who've impacted his life and his heritage. He's got some leadership that's being poured into his life. God was putting particular people in his life to give shape and nuance to the purpose that God had for Moses. So I want to ask you, who are those people in your life? Who are maybe five, six, seven people who have most shaped or impacted or influenced your life. Probably it would include our parents, right? It better, amen? Our parents. Probably it should include our spouse and our kids. But maybe, maybe somebody else. Maybe somebody you went to school with, right? There, there are some of us here today that, that can think back right now, and you're, you're at church tonight because somebody in middle school was talking about Jesus, and you didn't really know them very well, and and you, you don't know where they're at now in life, but somebody back then mentioned God to you. Amen? Maybe it's somebody at work that has poured themselves into you, that has invested in you. That has, anybody ever been given an opportunity before? Anybody had, ever had a break? Ever had a, had a chance given to you? That somebody believed in you? Somebody invested in you? Somebody... Uh, trained you or equipped you or mentored you. It could even be somebody that you've known from afar. Maybe somebody that you didn't even know personally, but just learning about that person, studying that person. Some of you here tonight, you know, some people mention uh, Abraham Lincoln or people, you know, a famous president or people like that, that you've read their biographies, maybe a, fam- a great missionary or, or whoever it might be, some world leader that, that you just kind of, you've honed in on, that not everybody reads about that person. But you seem to be interested in them. Who is that? How has that person impacted your way of thinking, your perspective, and how might God want to use that to give that direction to your life? Okay? So we've talked about experiences. We've talked about people that God has put in our life. But the third thing is the places you've been. I want to tell you a little secret here tonight. Did you know that God has been leading your life from the beginning? Did you know that? You know what's funny? When I go back and look at the, 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 the things I thought about earlier, those experiences, every single one of them I did not initiate. Isn't that amazing? God did it. I was just some kid, you know, just playing in the backyard and some friends invited me to Bible school to have fun. As a result of that, I gave my life to Christ. My life's never been the same. God's been leading and directing your life, and as He does that, there's even been some places that He's taken you. Look at Moses' experience here. He says, 
Moses was pasturing the flock of his father-in-law, and he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Two things about what we see here. First of all, God led him to a quiet place. The Bible says, actually, the New American Standard that I'm reading, it says that, he let, that, that God led him to the west side. It actually literally says to the far side or to the back side, okay? And so the New American Standard is interpreting that, okay, the, the Hebrew people kind of favored the eastern direction. That's not east, that's east. They favored the eastern direction. And so when you're talking about the west side, that would kind of be the back side or the far side. And so that, but that's really, the, the, the actual translation is God led him to the back side. He led him to the back side of where? Where is it in those verses? The back side of the wilderness. Of a, listen, we're not talking about beautiful Adirondack wilderness. We're talking about barren place. Okay, we're talking about a deserted place. God led him on the back side of nowhere. That's what it's saying. Actually, Horeb, that's what Horeb means. It means the desolate region. What was God doing? God was taking, don't miss this, God was taking Moses and he was getting him by himself where God could speak to him. It was a quiet place, but it was also, listen, a special place. God was leading him to Horeb, the mountain of God. This is, this is the place that's also known as Mount Sinai. And if you read just to, uh, about, uh, I don't know, 16, 17 chapters later, you'll find out that in, later in Exodus, Mount Sinai, Horeb, is where Moses is going to receive the Ten Commandments. Isn't that kind of interesting? Listen, that God would do something in his life back here that God knew later he was going to do over there. And don't you think when Moses got over there, he said, hmm, that's kind of interesting. This is where God first spoke to me in the first place. Isn't that cool? So it appears that that's what God's doing with Moses. He's getting him by himself. He's getting him to a significant spot where he wants to speak to him in a powerful way. And we're going to talk more about that speaking part here in just a moment. But I want to ask you, as you look back at your life, what are some places for you? What are some places that God, that God has taken your life? What are some places that, you've, you're, that the travels of your life have taken you and that have impacted your life the most? You might have lived in New York for the last 25 years. But you say, you know what, when I was growing up in Ohio... God did something in my life back there. I've never forgotten it. I remember I was at youth camp. I remember we went to that chapel. I remember we were going through premarital counseling and that, that pastor, when he was talking. I remember, amen? There, there's some spots that God took me to and He did something in my life. And I want to ask you tonight, how would God use those places to give clarity to give direction to what He's wanting to do through your life right now. Now I said, we want to talk about how God speaks to us. That's the last thing. As we're tracing the path of our lives, all of those, listen, all those experiences, all those people, all those places are really ultimately for the purpose that God wants to speak to your life. Has God ever spoken to you? And you know what? Whenever I use that language, people sometimes get weirded out. 
This whole speaking to me kind of thing, God speaking, and, and some of it I kind of understand. Some people kind of get wacko with it, and it makes you nervous. Amen? Okay, well, hopefully Pastor Robbie's not going wacko, okay? But listen, let's think about it for just a minute. I'm pretty sure that if we were honest, most of us clearly recognize that there was some times in our life that we are sure that God was speaking directly to our lives. Amen? That you know that God had a message for you. I'm not talking about audible. God certainly can speak audibly if He wants. It doesn't appear that He does that very often these days because He's given us His Word. He's given us His Spirit. He's given us His church. All these things He's given us. But listen, you know that God spoke to you. And by the way, that should not be so weird because Matthew 4, 4 says man does not live by bread alone. We don't just live by physical sustenance, but it says but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The Bible says that our very life, our very existence, that, that we have a desperate need to hear from God. So instead of treating that, listen, because when we, hear, when we say, I heard from God or God speaking to me or that kind of thing, we start getting nervous about that. And in some sense, we need to be careful about being very definitive about that. But should it be so odd to sense that God is speaking to our life when God is a speaking to us kind of God? And we need Him to speak to us? So instead of being worried about that, we should actually be seeking that. We should be expecting. I serve a living God, people. How about you? Amen? He's alive. He's relational. He wants to work in my life. He wants to work in your life. I expect Him to give direction for my life. Look at what He did for Moses. If you look at verses 2 through 10, first of all, it says that He sent a messenger into His life. The angel of the Lord appeared to Moses in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush. The Bible says that God sent Moses an angel, and certainly we recognize angels as spiritual beings that God has created to, to serve Him and to serve Him in our lives in some ways. But if you get really literal about it, the word angel means messenger. God sent Moses a messenger to speak to his life. How many of us here tonight have recognized at specific times in our life that someone was being used by God to speak to me. Amen? I remember Shannon and I were sitting on about where the vicaries are right now. We were sitting a few rows back in a service one time and God had been speaking to us about some things. And our pastor, I mean, it was like, forget, y'all can go home. He's talking to us. And I actually, it was so obvious to me that Shannon had ratted out and told him what was going on that I looked at her and I spoke out loud and I said, did you tell him? He didn't have a clue. But he was God's messenger to my life, amen? Then in verses 2 and 3, the Bible tells us God got Moses' attention. He looked and behold, that's, that's kind of a, a verse of shock. Wow, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. Listen, Moses had been shepherding for a while, but bushes just burning spontaneously and not burning up, that was not normal. God got his attention. Does God know how to get your attention? It may or may not be a bush catching on fire, but that's what Moses needed. God knows exactly what you need, doesn't he? Doesn't he speak to you sometimes? Doesn't he cut you off at the pass? You thought you were faking him out? 
You thought you were kind of coasting and doing your own thing and nobody knew about it, not even God. And all of a sudden he says, buddy, I got your number. Amen? I got your number on levels that you don't even realize until I show you. I praise the Lord for that. Amen? I thank him that he cuts me off at the pass. He gets my attention. Look, verse 4. The Bible tells us he spoke to Moses personally. When the Lord saw that Moses was uh, turning aside to look at the bush, God called him. He said, Moses, Moses, can you imagine God personally verbalizing your name? There is something very powerful about someone saying your name, isn't it? We recognize that even in business. To remember people's name. There's something about that. And so for the God of the universe to specifically call out His name, I believe again was a way, just like when He caught His attention, was a way for God to say, Moses, I am aware of you. I am aware of your life. I see who you are. I see what you're doing. And then God overwhelmed him with His presence. In verses 5 and 6, He says, don't come near here. Remove your sandals. That was a, way, a Hebrew way of basically saying... This is holy ground. Take your shoes off because this is holy ground you're standing on. He also said, I'm the God of your Father. Listen, when you read that, you ought to hear that God has been working long before Robbie was around. I'm the God of your Father. I'm the God of Abraham. I'm the God of His fathers. I've been working. I'm the eternal God. I go back as far as you can go. Look what happened to Moses. Moses, it says, hid his face. He was afraid to look at God. We know that ultimately no one can stand before the glory and the greatness of God. But there was a sense in which Moses was in God's presence and he was overwhelmed. Have you ever had that happen? Have you ever known God is in this place? And I did not even know it. And He is speaking right to me. Then in verses 7-10, through 10, He gave him a calling. He said, Moses, I'm doing something. I've seen my people, they're in trouble. But listen to verse 10. Therefore, come now and I will send you to Pharaoh. He said, Moses, I'm going to do something, but I'm going to work through you. I want you to be a part of it. Has God ever called you to do something? And you know it. You know it. Well, I'm not sure. Well, my, you know, maybe. Well, let's pray about it again, you know. After a while, it's being disobedient not to do it. Amen? You just know, don't you? You know this is what God wants you to do. Just do it. How many of us here tonight has God clearly spoken to our lives? And you know that God has your number. And He has something that He's wanting to say to you. Go back to those places. Go back to those places where God clearly spoke to you and said, God, what was it when you saved me, when you called me, when you when you rescued me, when you spoke to me about that sin that had been in my life for so long, whatever it was, the the, the previous direction that you had given me for my life, whatever it was, pay attention to those times that God has spoken in your life. Maybe it was a messenger that He brought to you. Maybe there was an overwhelming sense of, wow, God is in this place. Maybe you got down on your face and cried out to Him and said, God, have mercy on me. Maybe there was something miraculous. Maybe there was something that nobody it wouldn't make sense to anybody else, but God knew it would make sense to you. The message came through and you know it. Take those experiences. Say, God, okay, so what would that 
have to do with what you want to do in my life from this point forward. Because God doesn't waste things, amen? Isn't that what we're trying to discover tonight? I want to know my purpose. I want to know what God has for me. And what we're saying is, there's a lot of pieces to that. In some ways, it's a lifetime of discovery. But a big part of that that you may have never considered is all that stuff behind you. Now listen, we're not talking about getting stuck in the past, amen? We're not talking about getting focused on the past. We're not talking about digging up the past. We're not talking about those kind of things. We're just talking about letting what God has done and how your life has developed up to this point give direction and input to what God has for you ahead. I want to ask you to bow your head with me for just a moment. Possibly today it's just one of those a specific thing that we've mentioned tonight. Maybe it's the seven experiences of my life up until this point. Maybe it's five or six people. Maybe it's some strategic places that God has led my life thus far. So if there's one that just sort of sticks out to you, I encourage you just to kind of spend a few moments right now and say, God, what is it? Maybe at that youth camp, God not only brought you to Himself, but He he spoke to you about being a youth leader one day. And you've never followed through with that. You see what I'm saying? That might be something significant for your life to consider. Do you let God speak to you? I can't make all the Holy Spirit application today. Would you ask God what He's trying to say to you? Would you say, thank you, Lord, that you don't waste things? You say, God, I got a lot of bad back there. Well, so did Moses. God wants to use that to some way impact your purpose for He wants to redeem those things. As those of you who have trusted in Christ are praying about those things, I want to talk to those maybe as we still have our heads bowed, our eyes closed. Just If you've never trusted in Christ today, All of the experiences of your life have been leading to this moment. God got you in a place where you could hear that He loves you. He loves you so much that He would give everything for you. He would send His precious Son to give His life for you. And He's not saying that to guilt you or to condemn you, but to say to you, I want to set you free. But you've got to trust me on this. I have the power. I rose from the dead. And I can bring your life back to life I can give you new life eternal life it starts right now this moment and lasts forever if you want that tonight would you just call out to him and say dear Jesus thank you thank you for this gift I invite you to come into my life to wash my sins away and to be my personal savior help me to walk with you from this day forward God, I pray that you'd encourage someone here tonight that that hidden valley is not hidden to you. That you are doing something that you are going to use for your glory. And it's not wasted. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.